0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Ages and Icons. I'm Mike Crisolago.
2: And I'm Gina Bucci. Very, very interesting interview we have today. Oh,
1: I was so excited when this uh, pitch came across my desk. You know what? I love Alan Arkin.
2: I know. Me too. Uh, but the cool thing about this is we're, this talk was about his new book, his audio book, yeah. which is on Audible now, called Out of My Mind. Yeah. And we don't really, you don't really get into his career that much in this interview. It's all well, about- Well, at the, the
1: end. The, we, get to, we get to it get to it A the little the
2: bit. End. But yeah. it's all about the kind of thing that you- always want in an interview but you only get a little taste of it and that's the deep stuff right like spirituality and that kind of stuff that's what the majority of this conversation is about
1: yeah i mean alan arkin um you know all the the different films he's been in he obviously won the oscar for little miss sunshine and, and he's been in so many movies we'll talk about later nominated for golden globe for the Kaminsky method but with someone like him you usually talk to them about the latest project they're working on. Oh, tell me about the Kaminsky Method. Tell me uh-huh. about this, that, da-da-da. Um, and you hope that you can break through and get some sort of uh, personal revelation or, or something deeper than just tell me about the show you're working on or the movie you're you're promoting. And with Alan Arkin, with this project, out of my mind, it was completely different because the whole audiobook that he's, he's doing is not really about his career as a as a movie actor or a stage actor but uh, as his spiritual journey for the last 50 or so years talking about um, his his experiences with meditation with trying to uh, use different methods of understanding the world and he mentions at the beginning of the podcast or of the beginning of the audiobook I'm sorry about how the first 30 years of his life, he had three different belief systems basically. And he's like, I tried to basically just figure out the world and solve all the world's problems for like the first 30 of my life with three different belief systems. I realized none of them are working for me. He's not particularly religious. So he just said, you know what, after that 30 years, I just said, I gotta work on myself. I gotta figure out myself, my own problems, my own issues. Uh, and so then it's it just that the audiobook is just different chapters about different things. He tried. He talks about the trend of going to to analysis, which are like Freudian analysis, which I mean, anybody's watched a Woody Allen movie, especially the oldest ones. You know, like that was a big trend for uh, a lot of people in Hollywood to do Freudian analysis and try to figure out, you know, something deeper about themselves or solve any issues they have. He talks about meditation. He talks about. All these really interesting experiences he's had throughout his life. We talk about, you know, the time his mom saw the ghost of his father. Stuff like that. And why, like, his mom only believed in things that she could, he says, the things she could knock on. So, you know, she believes in that table because you can knock on it. So she doesn't believe in religion or anything because you can't see it but she saw the ghost of his dead father one day who came back to visit her and make sure she's okay but she could never admit it because to admit that she saw this ghost meant that her entire belief system for her whole life would be upended and that was too much for her to accept so Alan and I talk about that but that's the sort of thing we're talking about here there's different belief systems different things he, where he's trying to explore himself trying to explore his his own what do I believe? What is going to make me feel better? What's going to help me heal the things I need to heal? And he has a great quote at, at the beginning of the audiobook, but is describing himself now sort of starts at the end. And he says, so if I have a belief system left, it's mostly revolves around stepping or stopping to breathe, taking long, slow breaths and asking myself at any given moment, is this really true? Will it be true in half an hour? It saves me a lot of energy and wasted time and effort.
2: Okay, so in the conversation, Mike Arkin talks about an emotional impact that he had, with, um, but he's talking about a past life experience that he had or a glimpse into it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just the basic, the gist of it is, yeah. In the interview, we're talking about this past life experience that he had, but he didn't actually say what it is. Yeah. Okay, so in the audio book, here's the basic gist: He's on Broadway, he's young, uh, early in his career, and uh, he's in a very successful show, and he's doing very well. And he gets a sore throat. So he goes to this doctor that's recommended by the producer, uh, you know, so that he can be fixed for that night show. And the doctor injects him with something. He doesn't know what. But to this day, he doesn't know what. But it was something that all of a sudden made his throat fine
2: okay and this was the 60s
1: this was like around the 60s yeah like okay. early in his career early okay yeah and and so he's now fine and he's like on top of the world and he's like he feels this sort of openness of his mind and body and soul for like a week okay where like he's like i love everybody I, that i see and i am just one with humanity he's like that's how jesus must have felt right so anyway so now he's at the theater one night and he's shaving in his dressing room and the dressing rooms have uh little speakers so that you can hear what's going on out in the theater so you can hear your cue right so uh and you can go on stage so now he's just shaving before the show and the audience is filing in and you know you just hear mumbling on the the speakers and all of a sudden he has sort of like this weird attack where his fingers and hands go numb and so he can't shave anymore he's like what the hell's happening and then his feet start to go numb and then uh so like it's just really weird bodily Feeling. Eventually, he gets the feeling back in his body, in his hands and feet. But then, when it's time for him to go on stage, all of a sudden, this you know actor who feels at home on the stage is terrified. Mm. He doesn't understand why, but he's terrified to go on stage. And they actually, for the rest of the run, he says have to give him like booze to like liquor him up before he can go on stage because he's terrified to relax. To relax. Okay. And he can't understand why because that's he says in the book that's the one place he feels safe is the stage. So anyway, fast forward now, he's left theater, he's gone into movies because he finds movies, he's not terrified anymore. Okay. Because I guess it's not in front of an audience, whatever. He doesn't know why he's terrified on stage, but he goes into movies, he's fine. So now, a number of years later, he's got a son and his son's friend and they're all going to a movie together. Alan with his son and his son's friend. They go in, they're waiting for the movie to start, there's nothing on the screen. All of a sudden, Alan has this intensely surreal, vivid waking dream sort of that plays out in front of his face, in front of his eyes, where he's at the French Revolution and he's in the guillotine. He's the guy in the guillotine and it's about to come down on him and he can see the French people all in front of him. He can't understand what they're saying, but the crowd's there and they're all talking in French. And he just knows I'm in the French Revolution. I'm in the guillotine. I'm about to die. I don't feel any guilt for what I did to get here, whatever it was. And that's it. And he said it was like a sort of like it felt like a split second. It felt longer, but it it was like a split second. But it was so vivid and horrifying. And this is what he talks about in the interview that he had to like run outside and he was sweating and everything. So anyway, when he was talking to his meditation, uh, sort of his meditation teacher, guru, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the guru said to him, so have you ever had trouble shaving? And that's when it clued into him. Holy crap. That day when I was shaving in the dressing room on that play and I had a blade to my throat and I could hear the mumbling of the crowd over the loudspeakers and all of a sudden everything went numb and with his meditation coach, his guru he kind of Surmise that this must have been a past life experience. Yeah, like a, like, and that
2: that experience that day in the in behind the scenes of the theater where he was shaving is is what he's saying opened up this gateway.
1: Well, that was the trigger. Like yeah. they're wondering if the the uh, shot that he got for his throat, which opened up his everything, and he was floating on cloud nine for a week, if that sort of opened up a gateway. To be able to access a past life experience, and then the what you're saying backstage, like you said, was the trigger mm-hmm. that triggered it, the the blade to the throat and hearing the crowd. It's not like he necessarily believes in past life experiences, but he can't figure out what else it would be. And if you listen to the audiobook, there's all these other things he tries to do, like his Freudian analysis, you know, Is psychotherapist. Is it possible this
2: was like an acid flashback? Because well, he said he didn't shot, do
1: acid. I know, but I the know. shot that Maybe. the doctor
2: gave him could have been something close to like an LSD. I don't know. Okay. Arkin talks about how he was like a nonbeliever
1: and kind of. And he's still kind of a skeptic. Yeah. A skeptic, you could say.
2: I'm definitely a skeptic. I mean, not that I'm someone who disbelieves other people. Like, who am I to say, no, Alan Arkin, you're full of it. You know, like.
1: Yeah. And he seems to be the evidence. same way. Which is why this is confounding because he experienced it, so he's not really sure what it is. And that's yeah. what's so fascinating about this. He's not some guy who like believes in everything and so he's just telling you how wonderful it all is. He's a guy who's saying, I don't believe in this stuff, but this is <laughs> stuff that I can't explain. Yeah, but the it same with to like the me. story about his dad's ghosts and stuff like that. And he has a quote towards the end of the audiobook where he says, I've become something almost unrecognizable from the person I was when I started this journey. But he also said that his interest isn't religion but consciousness. But that the two seem to now be converging at this point in his life. And he talks about how he doesn't fear death and, you know, how much happier he is now and how he would rather sit and hear nothing, just silence, than listen to music. Yeah. You know, like all this like really interesting stuff and how he just really appreciates those small moments. So it's a really fascinating insight into Alan Arkin's life and, uh, and into his literally into his psyche and uh, it's one of those things like you don't really get this with a lot of celebrities where they they're this open about it, and
2: we'll we'll talk more about yeah. Arkin's uh, screen career when we come back from it. So without further ado, here's Mike's interview with Alan Arkin.
1: Thank you uh, for your time. I have so many questions to ask you about uh, out of my mind. It was a fascinating listen. And well, I glad you liked it. The, oh, yeah, it was wonderful, and, and I just loved how candid and honest it was. and um, I guess I'll just jump right into it. I mean, at the beginning, you mentioned that you know now, uh, in the present day, there's, uh, you, you try to sit down and think of things that uh, a list of things that you were absolutely certain about that were undeniably true, and you only came up with two. Uh, the fact that everything changes <laughs> and that there's nothing, no such thing as too much garlic, which I agree with. I'm Italian. I agree with that. Um, but <laughs> I, I know you talk about it a bit in the audiobook, but could you just sort of let our listeners know a little bit about how sort of wrapping your head around that realization sort of helped uh, maybe open you up a little bit more, sort of free you from some of the, the things that have been weighing you down in your life?
0: Oh my God. Well, it's, uh, coming to that realization comes uh, from getting enough hits in the head by, by living through a set, of, a set of belief systems and then finding out that they don't work, and then living through another set of belief systems and finding out that they don't work. I mean, I was, thank God, flexible enough in my early years to recognize when, when some belief I had was not really living up to its, its, uh, its, its promise of, uh, of being an edifice. So uh, so I, I finally realized that the, it's time to stop believing in so much and believe in, in, the, in the, the joy of flexibility, of uh, uh, not worrying about belief so much, but as confronting every moment that you face with as much integrity as you can, the, the, the belief system doesn't seem so crucial.
1: Right, and you mentioned in your earlier because this was a a long journey. This is a decades long uh, journey that you've gone yeah. through. When you sit down to yeah. record an audio book like this and you recount this entire you know fifty year history, um, I mean, do you, does it help you to sort of realize any further insight into this journey that you've taken or some of the discoveries you've made within yourself?
0: Yeah, well, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. We're thank god she's on the same journey that i am because if you are i mean you you start changing if if you do a lot of meditating like we both do and commit yourself to growth and change and uh, and some of the principles that exist in in a lot of the literature that we read both buddhist and hindu and uh platonic and uh, i guess a little bit of new age stuff but you 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 start really you 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 have to let go of of, of all the handrails and uh, you have to you're cutting string after string after string until you finally you feel like you're floating loose and each step of the way uh, instead of feeling glorious and exciting is frightening and kind of depressing <laughs> so it takes it takes an enormous and it's depressing because we have all these uh, illusions about what we want to accomplish and what we want to think of ourselves as and uh, what we want to believe in. And as you start shedding these ideas, which are mostly uh, self-imposed or, or, or crutches, uh, you re- you, you, each time you let go, it's a disillusionment oh, I I always thought I was like this, blah, 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 you let go of that illusion. And disillusionment in the West has a kind of very negative uh, connotation. But disillusionment is a, very, it's a glorious state. It's a wonderful state uh, because it means you're rid of illusions. And you're only afraid of that uh, situation if you think that reality is going to let you down somehow uh but if your vision of reality is as grand as as a lot of the the, the people we read the people we've met who have uh uh made themselves into in, in into huge huge beings um like the Dalai Lama for ex just a, as a to big an easy example on on uh if you if that's your goal then you, you, you embark on it. But it's frightening along, along the way. It
1: can be very frightening. Uh, of course. And to that end, I mean, for us here at Zoomer Media, who uh, we focus on the sort of 45 and up age demographic. so a lot of our listeners are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and so on. Um, a, a story that you tell in the audiobook stuck out to me. It's when you mentioned that uh, your father passed away and your mother uh, told you that he had come to her in the living room, sort of, uh, I guess, as an apparition yeah. or as a ghost, and, and said, you know, just wanted to check on her, make sure if she was okay. But for your mother, who you described as, you know, she only believed in stuff she could, you know, knock on, um, you know, to yeah. accept that that was real would then upend her entire life's belief system. And, yeah
0: and which so it's tough to do most, yeah, most, yeah mo- mo- most people don't have to have they,
1: they can't face that idea Is there a lesson there for us as we age and we get even into to uh, you know like the age that your mother was then and into your 60s and 70s and 80s about the you know as you said shedding and paring down that it, it's okay to do that it,
0: it's not okay but it's, it it's it's crucial the only thing you can rely on is change the only thing you can depend on is being a constant is the fact that everything is going to change? Most of us live our lives uh, thinking, hoping that a lot of things are going to be remain static or remain, or, or stay exactly the same. Um, like when when you're a kid, I, met, I just wrote a poem about a kid with his grandmother, showing she shows him a uh, a picture of her when she was a kid, when she was a beautiful uh, teenager. It says this was grandma when she was 18, and a, and a five or six or seven or eight-year-old kid looks at like that knows that knows the grandmother's lying. He knows <laughs> the grandmother always looked like she does when she's 80, <laughs> and that she's she's showing her a picture of some some total stranger. Very <laughs> few kids can make that transition, and and most of us stay in that mode through our lives. We think this is the way things are going to be, and. Uh, Merciful, you know, like when I think of the many merciful things that the universe allows us is like when you're, I don't know, what you sound like you're a fairly young guy. You get sick, and you look in the mirror, and you say, oh, my God, I look horrible. Uh, I look like I'm 60, 70 years old. That's, that may be, it may be a shock to you, but it's, it's the universe giving you a gift. Of saying, yeah, this is what things are going to be like about 30 years from now, 40 years from now, and I'm giving you a hint. I'm giving you a little taste of what you, um, you, you, what would you have in store for you, sometime in the future. I get shocked. I mean, I I see, I see myself in a movie these days. I, I get shocked because when I look (laughs) in the mirror, I don't, I don't see what I see on the movie screen. I see a, a young. You guy.
1: And I look and I move the screen. I said, oh my God, who is that wreck? <laughs> well, that's a, an interesting thing. And, and you mentioned in, in the book about um, having a past life experience. And and so I was thinking about this. You're talking about young and, and old, that if this you've gone on this journey, this 50-year sort of journey, it, had, it was painful, it was difficult, it was enlightening, it was all these things. Now, so if there was... Uh, an opportunity for reincarnation. You know, when you go into your next life, would you, is it better to start with the knowledge you have now and start from this point and move forward? Or is it better to go through that journey again and, and have those realizations? That's a question to ask
0: uh, reality. I'm, I i don't make the rules.
1: I, I think you hang on to some of your, in,
0: your intuition. I know there are some kids that come into the world with a very clear picture of what they have been what they were the last time around and corroborated in, in thousands and thousands of uh, instances but I don't know what the rules are I, I haven't been given a clear uh, I haven't been given an 8 by ten piece of paper typewritten sheet of what the rules are if I'm around if I'm around and you're around I'll, I'll knock on your uh, knock on your uh, on door and let you know if I fi- ever find out it's a deal uh, I and I, I also one of one of the other things I found is, I think I mentioned it in the book, but I'm not sure. That during, that the rules for everything change. That that one of the things my second teacher uh, instilled in us very very strongly is not to put boxes in around things. Or this person is like this. That, that's one of the reasons judging people is such. A, one of the reasons judgment is such a bad thing to do. Oh, this person is like this. Boom. Well, you're going to find out that one level he may be like that, and then about three or four levels down, he's something completely different. And not only that, but he's capable of changing. And unless you give a person that leeway and latitude, you're not going to give yourself that same leeway and latitude. Uh, Basically, what you do to other people, you end up doing to yourself.
1: Right, Right. And Uh, you, uh, I, I mean, listening to your book and hearing stories about um, experiences that you had, as I just mentioned, the sort of possible past life uh, sort of recollection, uh, the story about your mother and your father, and, and even the things. I
0: wasn't, it wasn't, was a, the, the past life thing was not more than a recollection. It was like a devastating, uh, uh, there's a word in J- Japanese for called shakabuku, it's like a two by four in the head. Wow uh, it, it didn't come as an intimation between my the shocking memory I had and then telling it to my who was, the man who was at that time my guru uh, and having him corroborated and then having realizing it that was that it was part of a, uh, a an analytic pro- problem that I had had for several years that I couldn't deal with and was the solution to it. I mean, all those things together, Just I, I would, if somebody had another way of explaining it, I'd be happy to listen to it, but I cannot imagine what it could conceivably be.
1: Right, uh, yeah. It was
0: incred- incredibly dramatic, uh, life-changing
1: yeah and you at the guillotine in the french revolution that's that 's horrifying if if it 's so as vivid like you were saying It left me with so many questions just about uh, probably everything that you 've already questioned about the universe about how how our consciousness and how this all works. Um, it sounds like, from listening to the book, that you're in a really great place spiritually and, and mentally and, and philosophically at the moment. But do these sorts of experiences, do they leave lingering questions for you that, you know, you just sort of wish deep down you could, you could figure out?
0: Well, you know, there's always going to be questions. It's one of the, one of the hard things and one of the glories of uh, being on of this kind of path is that every time you take a step and you say, ah, I finally arrived somewhere, the hor- every time you do that, the horizon spreads out in front of you so that there's always more and always more to question, always more to find out. And my understanding is from people who are a lot more developed than I am that it never, ever stops. Hmm. Now that's Now, if you're living in a place of fear and pain, that's not such a great... Prospect, but if you start to live in a place of some joy and and peace, then it's incredibly exciting. And and one of the things that starts happening is you need to know the answer for things starts diminishing, because the and uh, a, a person who does this much better than I can. If you want to, if you want to see an extraordinarily and and really f- extraordinary and really funny interview. Uh, there's a thing on YouTube with uh, Richard Feynman. You know, you know who Richard Feynman is.
1: I've heard of him. He's
0: yeah, He's one of the, yeah, he's one of the great scientists of the 20th century. And somebody asked him to explain. Uh, a reporter asked him to explain magnetism, and he says, "No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to do it." And uh, and the reporter says, "Why not?" He says, "You're a great scientist. This is as just give me a simple explanation." He says, "I can't do it." He says, you won't understand it. And the reporter gets huffy, and he says, what do you mean I won't understand it? And Feynman goes on to explain how the question would be meaningless, and and it would just lead to question after question after question after question, and the reporter would never, ever be satisfied. And he finally shuts up this guy. (laughs) Um, and It's it's wonderfully funny, and and he doesn't intend it to be rude. Uh, He's just... um, Smarter than the guy can uh, can deal with, but I highly recommend that interview. If anybody <laughs> wants to get rid of the why <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in, their, in their list of questions, <laughs> no, nope, you, you never really know the why, and you, the only why we, the only answer to why we ever get satisfied with, is something that makes us relax. Mm-hmm. Somebody so, gives you an answer and says you're right. <laughs> you answer, oh great okay and you relax with that but that doesn't make it necessarily true or permanent it just makes it something that you're comfortable with right then
1: right i know it's true and well here i've got an easier why question for you because as an author of multiple books as you are why did you decide to, to do out of your mind uh sorry out of my mind as a, an audio book as opposed to a printed book that then is recorded as an audio book
0: Oh, it was <laughs> that's that's an easy answer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> my my, uh, put it away. I had abandoned it. Uh, it was just stuff I had written and uh, that I wanted to remember. And I didn't even think of it necessarily as a book. I didn't think it was long enough or or cohesive enough to be put out as a book. And uh, I sent I had sent it to my agent. She called me, as she has done on a couple of uh, occasions, and said, "Listen." We got to This is too stuff is too interesting for you to sit on it. We got to try and get it out somewhere, and I think that well, that um, the, the 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 audio people were the first people she sent to, and they said yes. They let me do it exactly as I wanted to do it, and I couldn't say no. I was thrilled that anybody wanted to do it in any form, so hmm. I was happy to go with Audible, uh, who have been just wonderful to work with, incredibly easy and friendly, oh, that's- and supportive.
1: Yeah, that's great to hear, and, and I mean, I guess obviously most of our listeners will know you as an actor, uh, either from stage or screen, and I'm wondering how these experiences and this journey you've taken over the last 50 years uh, that you describe in the, the audiobook have affected your uh, acting, your career choices, uh, if at all?
0: Yeah, it has. It's had a, a major effect on, uh, on my entire way of looking at my career. Um, Acting was, I guess, for the first part of my life, the first half of my life, or maybe even a little more, the reason for my existence. I, I felt like I had no reason to live uh, if I wasn't acting. And it's, over a long period of time, uh, turned into an expression of my existence rather than the reason for it. It's just simply an expression for, uh, of who I am, and a way of making a living. Those 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 two things. But it's it's not the reason for my existence. And if you ask me what the reason for my existence is, I don't know. I know. <laughs> All I know is that I don't know what the reason is anymore, and I don't need one. I don't need a reason. I'm 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 filled with a sense of being alive. Every moment of my life now, whether I'm acting, whether I'm not acting. One of my favorite times in life these days is when somebody's late for an appointment. And I can just, <laughs> I can sit quietly and just look at what's going on and take deep breaths and meditate a little bit. And they come in and they can, oh, I'm so sorry,
1: I'm 20 minutes late.
0: <laughs> Not at all. It was the best part of my
1: day. Thank you for that. I wish we had known that. We would have called you about five or ten minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if I could ask you very quickly about uh, the Kaminsky method, because that's uh, a show that is, is really uh, a lot of a thrill to our audience, especially because a lot of the questions of aging uh, that you guys deal with on that show uh, are questions that we deal with in our magazine and our podcast and stuff. And um, and I mean, it's been getting great reviews. It's getting rave reviews uh, so far. I mean, that's got to feel great for for yourself.
0: Yeah, I, I, the reviews are nice. But the best part of it was working with uh, Michael Douglas. So yeah. I, I had no idea what to expect. I'd never, I'd never met him before we started working, and uh, we had just had a brief lunch a couple of weeks before. And I've always thought he's a very good actor, but he always seemed kind of hard-edged to me, and I thought he might be kind of um, slightly uh, rigid. But mm-hmm. he's he's wonderfully flexible and, and generous and uh, a joy to work with that's uh, as, as is all, all, all the actors are. The actors are uh, just a terrific bunch. Uh, I, I, uh, I miss them. I like, we stopped shooting in April. I don't know whether they'll pick us up for another season or not.
1: Yeah. And I mean, at this point in your career, are there certain roles or challenges that you still look for uh, in acting? The the, the more
0: of the things I I'm not looking for, uh, uh, I'm not looking for I want to have a good time. I want to be as joyful as I can and and uh, feel that joy and help others feel a piece of that. I can't I can't any longer play people who are either tortured or or incredibly mean or violent uh, I just the places I just my system won't allow me to go anymore, so <laughs> it's limiting it, I guess, but eliminating as an actor but it's freeing as a person it just makes me like myself better
1: wow, and I mean, I'd be remiss as a as a Canadian to not ask you about uh the fact that you spend many months a year, I believe in Cape Breton, don't you have a a place in Cape Breton? <laughs> yeah, we do that's i I didn't uh, know right, that in,
0: yeah, we've had it for decades uh a place on the Northumberland Strait that we treasure wow. and we love our neighbors and friends up there and we love the fact that your country is not in, in the kind of disarray that our country is right now <laughs> and that we can go up there and, and feel a sense of uh, peace and brotherhood and harmony that's hard to come by here now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, just before we go, uh, because some of our listeners may hear your podcast, uh, sorry, your audio book or hear this podcast and sort of have an interest in maybe paring themselves down and, and sort of taking on some of the, the, uh, the challenges that, that you took on in, in this journey. If for somebody who's interested but never sort of taken this step before or to look that much inward within themselves before, how would you recommend maybe just sort of getting started on this sort of journey?
0: That's a good question. A couple of things. First of all, meditation has this kind of aura around it of being something weird and mysterious. And it's basically just finding out... I, I don't think you can go terribly far without having a practice of meditation. I think that's crucial. And what meditation means is just finding a space for you. Initially, what it means is finding a space where you can be quiet and find out who you are when you're at rest. Who are you? And to give yourself a a time every day, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever you can initially start um, doing, by just saying, I'm just going to sit here and see who I am, what occurs inside, and watch it and not judge. Give myself a safe place where I can watch my interior life and not judge it. Not, and that's basically what meditation is. All the, the accoutrements to it are, are ways of just helping that state, that state of of uh, being at peace with yourself, watching your mind and inner workings. Coupled with that, I there's several books I could I could recommend in, in different traditions uh, that people might be interested in reading. Okay. The first would be the autobiography. Of, Of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. Uh, That's a Hindu tradition, uh, and he was a very, very highly advanced uh, soul. I would recommend that. There's a book in the Buddhist tradition, Tibetan Buddhist tradition, that's absolutely wonderful called uh, The Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. Those two would be the ones that Mm -hmm. I would. Uh, start out with. Uh, very, very good place to start
1: on. Uh, I'm just going to tell you again how much uh, I enjoyed Out of My Mind and uh, congratulate on it. It's, it's a fantastic and really fascinating listen. It, it's a whole other side to yourself and to this subject that I've never seen. So it, it's been great it, to uh, enjoy. Well, thank you very much. It's been nice talking to you. Well, there it is, uh, Alan Arkin and I, and I got to say, that's probably one of the most revealing sort of interviews I've ever had with somebody. I've never asked anybody I've interviewed, unless it's a, you know, (laughs) a religious person or somebody who's written something specifically about spirituality or a medium, like when I interviewed uh, Colette Baron reed here, uh, about their spirituality like this. Like, you don't usually talk about this with a Hollywood star unless they're talking about Scientology or something, but... Do uh, they talk
2: about that? Well, I don't know. Some of them might. No.
1: (laughs) Depends who you ask, I guess. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun to be able to actually ask these personal questions about this to someone like Alan Arkin, who I love and adore as as an artist, and actually have them be receptive to it and not just shutting it out.
2: Yeah, and speaking of Alan Arkin as an artist, he's a terrific actor. It's been yeah, in so many so things. Uh, just just this morning, as we're recording this, he was nominated for a uh, Golden Globe.
1: Golden Globe for uh, best supporting actor for the Kaminsky Method,
2: which is on Netflix now.
1: Which is on Netflix right. now. Um, That's a
2: show he does with uh, Michael Douglas.
1: Michael Douglas. Yeah. Michael Douglas was annou- announced um, nominated for best actor in the sh- in. The, in a comedy, I guess it oh, is. Great. Or, or a limited series or whichever Anyway, he was nominated for Best Actor. That's
2: a first. Uh, I haven't seen this show yet. But well, it's, it's basically
1: Michael Doug. it's getting amazing reviews, yeah. uh, which I mentioned in the interview. And basically, Michael Douglas stars as a, uh, a former actor who's now an acting coach in L.A. and and Alan Arkin is his agent. And they're basically navigating the ups and downs of aging, uh, you know, together in L.A. And uh, Nancy Travis is on it. And, and there's other, other people on it as well. But, it's a, It's getting amazing reviews and uh, I'm so happy that Alan Arkin is nominated because as good an actor as he is, I find him hilarious yeah. and I love watching him in comedies. I don't know about you, like I know he won for Little Miss Sunshine, he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, he was nominated for Argo, he was nominated for The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming. So obviously he has, Alan has had a long and, and storied and successful mm-hmm. film career, a stage career, television career. What's your favorite Alan Arkin project or or film, Gina?
2: Uh, I've seen a lot of his movies, like from The Russians Are Coming, Little Miss Sunshine, a bunch of things. But um, for me, it was later on in his career in the 90s with a movie called Slums of Beverly Hills. And he's fantastic in that. And actually, the whole cast is great. Marissa Tomei, she's wonderful mm. in that. That's a gem of a movie, Slums of Beverly Hills. If you have a chance to check it out, please do. What about you, Mike?
1: I think <laughs> most people think this is a ridiculous thing to say, but I, I personally, I love when he's in comedies. And mm-hmm. He won the Oscar for, uh, for Little Miss Sunshine, Best Supporting Actor. And he was nominated for Argo. But I love him in Get Smart. Yeah, yeah. The Obviously, the Steve Carell and Hathaway. What year was that? The remake. Like a, yeah, the remake.
2: Of the, t- well, um, the it's a TV show, but this was... Yeah, and
1: I loved the original TV show. This maybe
2: like eight years ago came yeah, out.
1: Yeah, I'm just uh, pulling it up here. It's actually a
2: really good remake. It's, it's Actually, from a really 2008, good movie.
1: so it's 10 years old this year.
2: Yeah, it's funny. If you like slapstick, it's good. It's,
1: it's funny. Steve Carell's hilarious. Yeah. Steve Carell is Maxwell Smart, the Don Adams role. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and um and Hathaway and is Hathaway age of 99. is Agent ninety nine yeah, the Barbara yeah.
2: Feld uh Felden Feldon. I always
1: yeah. say Feldman I don't know. Barbara Feldman
2: can't help you with
1: that Mike. <laughs> Barbara Feldon role and uh and Alan Arkin is the chief yeah and he's so funny in yeah, it yeah, and, yeah. He, and he yeah he gets physical in it he gets into like a fist fight
2: yeah good pick and, Mike yeah yeah
1: I love him in that and his I don't know what it is but it's his delivery mm-hmm. in that and that was funny when he called our us or we called him to do this interview. And he wasn't sure if it was live on the radio or not or if it was a podcast yeah, yeah. or what it was going on. So when you patched him through to me and I said, oh, hey, Mr. Arkin, how are you? And he goes, Mike, are we on the radio? Are we? Is this live? Is this, is this live or is this being taped? What's going on? And like immediately my mind went to like get smart. <laughs> yeah. when, like, he's in a car with Max and they, they go crashing through all these things. Funny. And I was so... So happy that we got to talk to him. Yeah, He's that one was of my great. favorites.
2: Okay, well, that's it for this week, Mike. Um, I want to tell the audience to tune in next week. We have our holiday year-end podcast. Enjoy that. We're going to have some special guests, a lot of holiday cheer, talking about the year that was 2018, and uh, looking forward to the new year, Mike. So it's going to be good.
1: Yeah, and yeah. we have a great trivia game on that uh episode 2
2: yeah (laughs) we love a trivia game here at Ages and Icons
1: (laughs) well thank you uh, of course to Alan Arkin for the great interview we really enjoyed having him on thank you to Gina as always and to everybody for listening and we'll see you next time on Ages and Icons